we'll be talking for for the next uh, three weeks or so on the renewed mind. And we'll be starting off in Romans chapter 12. I'd like to teach through a lot of Romans chapter 12 tonight um, because it all goes together. When you're looking at Scripture, you always want to look at context and you always want to look at everything surrounding that particular verse of Scripture. And when you read writings by the Apostle Paul, he was well-versed in teaching and he was well-trained in how to present ideas legally. He had uh, a lot of legal terminology in his epistles, and Romans is one of those epistles that is full of so much revelation. There's revelation in Romans that we're only now beginning to understand. Paul carried so much revelation that it was no wonder uh, he wasn't well received by everybody. When he showed up on the scene, uh, the church there in Jerusalem uh, was, was already in the beginning stages of, of being stabilized by the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists that were present there. And so he shows up having a different experience. He didn't get saved the way they did. That's the beauty of the kingdom. Everyone has a different experience. Everybody comes into the kingdom a little bit different, and that's okay. You meet little uh, kids who, who have these profound encounters with Jesus, and the religious community tends to, to, to not understand it. Who cares? You can have an encounter with Jesus long before you ever meet a pastor or a church or, or anybody like that. So Paul had that that same type of encounter. He, he was uh, persecuting the church. He was, uh, and, and he was very zealous about putting down this uprising that in the mind of the Pharisees and the religious community, Jesus was going against the law of Moses. In their mind, Jesus was contradicting what they'd been brought up and uh, learning. But we know that's, that's not the truth. Right, They failed to see Jesus in Scripture. They had the same copy of the Law and the Prophets and the poetical books that, that he had. But he would quote things and blow their mind because why? He carried revelation of Scripture. Revelation of Scripture is important, but the Lord is very careful about releasing revelation of Scripture because he likes to teach us line upon line precept upon precept. If you have a shaky foundational uh, belief or doctrine, trust me, everything built upon that uh, will be shaky. God's sovereignty is one of the most misunderstood concepts uh, in the kingdom because we tend to confuse the Old Testament and the New Testament. People like to quote the book of Job and that... that uh, that exchange that you see in the book of Job where Satan walks right up to God and begins to accuse Job uh, to his face. Why is the New Testament different? We have an advocate. No one accuses you to the Father directly. He has to go through Jesus. That's the difference. So we can't bring an Old Testament reality into our New Testament theology. Trust me, you'll be confused. You'll start thinking, oh, God sends sickness. No, he don't. Well, he did in the New Testament. Huh. The most current revelation of who God the Father is, is Jesus. If you can't see it in the life of Jesus, Old Testament. If you can't see it demonstrated in the life of Jesus, Old Testament. There are conflicts that that arose between the disciples and Jesus and things that they would request they asked him one time quite frankly when they were rejected in ministry from a town they said Jesus can we go ahead and rain down fire on this town because why they'd read the old testament 
They'd seen what God had done to Sodom and Gomorrah. But what did Jesus say? He said, you don't know what spirit you're of. If you're going to rain down fire, you're going to have to co-labor with a different spirit. I came to save. I came to seek and to save and to give life. It's the age that we live in. We live in the church age. At one point, Israel rejected Jesus. We all know that. When did it happen? In accordance with it, with the date that was prophesied over Daniel, because Daniel prayed for his people, and God finally visited him and said, Daniel, 70 weeks I have declared upon your people. A prophetic week is seven years, so 70 times 7 is 490 years. From the time, he told him this, from the time the decree goes forth to rebuild Jerusalem, until the reigning in of everlasting righteousness, it'll be 490 years. Well, 483 years takes us to Jesus's triumphant entry into Jerusalem where he was rejected openly by the leaders of the Jews. So that leaves us with how many years? 483? 490 minus 483 is how many years left? Seven. God put a pause on time so that he could reach the Gentiles. We are in the church age. We have seven years remaining to be fulfilled in Daniel's prophecy. That's what the tribulation is. Now, whether you believe the church gets raptured before the tribulation, in the middle, either way, we're going home. But we still got seven years left before that prophecy is fulfilled. 483 years to the date from the time the decree went forth to rebuild Jerusalem and when Jesus rode in on a donkey into Jerusalem. Rejected openly. God was going to wrap this thing up, but he opened it up for the Gentiles. He opened it up for people who are not Jews. And it's been going on for 2,022 years now. The church age a time when God would call the Gentiles. Now, the Jews as a nation, it says they have been blinded. Their hearts have been hardened. They don't openly accept Jesus as a nation. But their time's coming. The Lord will redeem his people. He's got 144,000 Jewish ministers of the gospel going forth during the tribulation to reach who? the Jews. So God's faithful. He's faithful. To everything, there is a season. In this series, I'd like you to start thinking of your life as a believer more in seasons. We have a tendency to see failures, mistakes we've made. We have a tendency to see certain times in our life as a, as a failure, I, I just don't believe that anymore. I don't, I don't do the guilt and shame thing anymore. I don't. It's unhealthy. Guilt and shame didn't even exist until after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. When they sinned, automatically you see fear and anxiety surface. They hid themselves. What were they afraid of? They were afraid of the presence of the Lord. They hid themselves. Anxiety and fear didn't exist until they disobeyed. So you're not even built to carry negative emotion. You're built to live in a perfect world, to have creative liberty over your day, creative liberty over your schedule. When we were placed in the garden, we weren't even told how to cultivate the earth. We were just told, go at it. Simple terms, have a lot of kids and have dominion over the earth. Those were, the, those were the details of what God told Adam and Eve. He always meant for us to live in an environment where we would fellowship with Him, where we would have creative liberty over our day, where we would live in His presence and understand that fellowship with Him is everything. But the connection was severed because of sin, because of disobedience. 
So God began a series of lessons that he had to teach mankind to get us to the place we're at now. And there's more to unfold. What we're a part of is the church age where God is reaching out to humanity, Gentiles in particular. Jews still get saved, but as a as a focus, as, a, as an absolute target of the Lord, it is the Gentiles he's reaching out to. Those of us who never knew God in our lineage, we can't claim that we are related to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Gentiles. There's really only two races. You're either a Jew or you're a Gentile. And a lot of us may have Jewish blood in us. To everything there is a season. So in the spirit realm, and this is something that Jesus tried to teach his followers, you can usually mirror what's happening in nature and what's happening in the spirit realm. The season we're in right now is a season of new beginnings. It's a season of thinking different. It's a season of getting past traumas. It's a season of rebirth. It's a season of new jobs. It's a season of new ways of thinking. And what we find in Scripture is a consistent call, a consistent summons to change the way you think, to take on a new mind, a renewed mind. That term renewed mind shows up in Scripture so many times. Seasons. Some seasons, as depicted in the story of Martha and Mary, there's a season to work and get stuff done, and then there's seasons to sit at the feet of Jesus. How do we know what season we're in? The Lord's going to ask you to do things. If he's not asking you to do something, then you sit at his feet. You spend time with him. You spend time growing. We go through that as ministers. There are seasons when I'm asked to do a lot, and then there are seasons where I'm not asked to do a lot. Either way, we have to learn to be content in that season. And understand, you're in a kingdom. It's a farm, not a factory. And the Lord is growing you up in his own particular way. His own unique way. The renewed mind is, it's a heavy topic. And it's been a heavy topic for me for many years. Because for many years, I battled bipolar disorder. And with that disorder... I could never really become rooted in my thinking. I could never really become stabilized in my thinking. I was very creative. I would have my manic phases where I'd have great ideas followed by periods of great depression. And I battled that until I got to Global when I ran into Pastor Jennifer who prayed a very commanding prayer over me one night. And after that night, I never needed medication anymore. I began to think clearer. I began to understand God's word better. I began to understand God's nature better. If we look at scripture without understanding God's nature, we become very dangerous. If we look at scripture and it doesn't take us to Jesus, we become very dangerous. If it only puffs us up and makes us proud, we become dangerous. Jesus declared to the Pharisees, you look in the scriptures because you think in these there's eternal life. These testify of me. This, what you're reading, is supposed to bring you to me, an encounter, a deep, intimate encounter with who Jesus is, his nature. We can memorize scripture the Pharisees had it memorized, but they missed God's nature. They missed his unique touch. Quite frankly, they didn't recognize Jesus, the Messiah, and they looked at him right in his face. 
part of our development as a believer is the renewed mind. And this is what it says in Romans 12, 2. I'm, I'm going to open up right from the beginning. Romans 12. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I want somebody else read me what version they have because I have the new living. Has anybody got the King James? I've got a new King James. Yeah, go ahead. Be not conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word in the Greek, do not be conformed to this world. That word conformed actually means indoctrinated. Don't be indoctrinated with how the world thinks. Why? Because God thinks different. He thinks different. Completely different. In his kingdom, in order to be great, you have to go low. In his kingdom, in order to live, we have to die. In his kingdom, when you eat, you get more hungry. In the world, you eat, you get full for a little bit. But in the kingdom, when you eat, you get even more hungry. It's a different kind of kingdom. In the world, people lord over you. Rulers lord over you. Why? So they can suppress your gifts, suppress your talents, keep you at the pay scale you're at, so that they can have their own personal significance. Look at me. I'm a leader. In the kingdom, a leader elevates everyone around them. Elevates. And brings everyone around them to their place, their rightful identity, their rightful purpose, their rightful destiny. That's kingdom. In the kingdom, we're actually commanded not to worry because Jesus declared to his disciples and his followers, don't even think about tomorrow. Only people in the world have to worry about tomorrow not believers. That's not your portion. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. Jesus actually had a very in-depth teaching about anxiety. He said, don't be anxious. That was it. So why is it that we don't get these concepts? Why is it that we struggle in certain areas in life? Why is it that we have our ups and our downs as a believer? It has to do with this. It has to do with the renewing of the mind. The word renew in the Greek actually means refurbish. You can go a little bit further and say re-indoctrinated, re-educated. When we come to the Lord, our nature is changed. We become a new creature. Yes, spiritually, but we also carry along with us the same behaviors. It takes a little bit to develop a habit. Up to 90 days, some have said. So we come to the Lord with our same sets of habits. We come to the Lord with our trauma, which may or may not have been healed by the dunamis power of the resurrected Savior. We come to the Lord with our own baggage. We come to the Lord having been abused having been traumatized, having history with people. 
We come to the Lord and we may trust him, but we may not trust people all that much. That's a problem in the kingdom. It's a problem. If you can't trust men, how on earth are you going to trust me to be a pastor for you? You're not. So trauma has to be healed. It has to be healed. It has to be dealt with. We have to let things go at some point, and it's not easy. We have to forgive those who have abused us. We have to move forward at some point. Well, all of that falls under the purview of the renewed mind, re-educating ourselves in what God has to say. We got into this mess because Adam and Eve did not adhere to what God had said. And it was very simple. They didn't have 66 books to study. They had one command. Don't eat of this particular tree. You can eat of every other tree except tree of life and this one right here. The enemy comes along and confuses them, sends lies their way. So do those things still happen now? Yes, they do. You are a spirit being which puts you in proximity to the spirit realm. You hear all kinds of testimonies, little girls, little boys who have heard God's voice from as far back as the womb. No other way to describe that and explain it than that. We are spirit beings. We actually are spirit with a soul in a body. That's who we are. That's how God made us. Because we're in proximity to the spirit realm, we are in proximity to the voices of enemy authors. Enemy authors, thoughts, fiery darts sent your way, accusatory thoughts against your brother or your sister or your pastor. How many know the enemy's the accuser? He's the accuser. So, we don't want to come into agreement with him. When we come into agreement with him, then who becomes the accuser? We do. I don't have authority to accuse my brother and my sister. I can go to them and settle an offense in the right way, in love, but I don't have the authority to go around and just accusing my brother and sister. I don't. So the enemy wants you to come into agreement with that. Mm -hmm. So he can what? Sow discord. Sow disunity. So you end up somewhere else, isolated from other believers. A big part of this Christian life, man, is really two things. Staying in agreement with God's word. All of it. Because the parts you don't know, that'll be the part you get attacked in. The part you don't know will be the part that you struggle with until you get in and you read it yourself and you see what God has to say. Staying in agreement with his word. And then the other one is how we treat one another. It's a big deal how we treat one another. It's one of the last things Jesus said before he left this earth was love one another. It's like he already knew. He already knew we had the capacity to not get along. We had the capacity to accuse each other. We have the ability to want to strengthen our own belief system and stand up against anybody who believes differently. He already knew that. That's why he declared, love one another. It's like one of the last things you say to your kids before you go on a trip, right? If you don't remember nothing I taught you, Keep the doors locked or whatever it is you'll tell them. But it's that one thing, right? That was Jesus. He said, love one another. There's going to be offenses. You're not going to agree. You're not even made the same. You're all completely different anyway. We know this. It's how God made us. Love one another. Find common ground. Find 
unity. In the church in this day and age, we're doing a better job at that. We are. We're doing a better job at it. Be not conformed. Be not indoctrinated with how the world thinks, but be transformed. That word transformed is the same word used when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, when he actually changed, metamorphosized into something brilliant. He looked like lightning. That's the Jesus that's returning, by the way. That's the Jesus that's coming back. The judge. The one that's going to set things straight and take us home. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. I mean, by that time, I'll be like, I'm out. I'm out. I love life, love my family, all that stuff. But there's better things waiting on us. Much better. A million times better. A million times better. Be not conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing, refurbishing. Because everything you brought with you, you do have a different nature now. You know what right and wrong is. You understand that, that God is real and Jesus came to die for you. But you've got, all this, you've got all this baggage in how you think. Your identity oftentimes is all messed up. And disconjoining. You still think you're the things that your parents declared over you. Your parents may have told you you'll never amount to nothing. You're going to be stupid just like your brother. All this death. Maybe you had that crazy uncle. The weird one. Who always had this great advice. And he would hit you with this. Yeah, but you ain't, that you ain't going to be successful. You're just going to be just like me. You still carry that stuff. That's your identity. It's built a construct in your brain. What we receive through instruction builds a construct, a mode of thinking, a mindset in our brains that doesn't get erased just like that. We have to intentionally renew our minds. With what? God's Word. So now the things that people said about you you can go and say, no, that's not true. I'm an heir. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I have authority over the enemy. The enemy knows who I am. Man, I don't even, did I tell you guys a story in Brazil about this demoniac, this demon-possessed guy? Did I tell you about it? So I'm at Pastor Anderson's house, right? So I'm there, and I'm reading and studying, and, and Pastor Anderson did, does such a good job of just serving me because he knew, like, I'm jet-lagged, right, all this other stuff. So he would just tell me, hey, just chill. Just chill on that couch, pray, read your Bible, and I'll let you know when we got to go somewhere, right? Because you're in this environment now, everybody's speak, speaking Portuguese, and, you know, here I am. And I've been overseas before, but this is for a ministry trip. So I had to be ready. We were in different church every night. So I'm on the couch. I'm relaxing. It's just me. And outside, because all the houses are, uh, are gated, and I heard somebody say my name, Ron. And I thought, man, that's, that's surely that's not my name. Because they're in their alphabet, they don't even have an R, right? It, it's an H. The sound is an H. Yeah. So, honey, so Pastor Anderson calls me honey sometimes. Honey. Hello, honey. <laughs> so, but, but he said, Ron. So I sat there and I was like, nah, that ain't me. And then he says it again, Ron. And I'm like, so I walk outside and I, and uh, I walk up to the gate and, and I didn't, I didn't get where he could like, I didn't know he was demonized yet. I'm still figuring this stuff out. I'm just thinking he's a guy, and I don't know how he knows my name. So I go out there, and and I didn't get close enough where he could like swipe at me, right? But he was kind of just chilling. And he started talking to me in Portuguese, and he was motioning down the street. He wanted me to go with him down the street somewhere. And I'm standing there, and I'm thinking, nah, I ain't gonna, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not leaving this gate. You don't go anywhere by yourself in another country right. on a missions trip or anything like that. 
and Anderson had gone to work out. So it was just me and his son Daniel upstairs. So I said, hold on, hold on, hold on a minute. So I went back inside and uh, I got Daniel. I said, Daniel, can you go talk to this guy? Because he's trying to ask me something. And so Daniel goes outside and uh, he, uh, he talks to him for a couple minutes, but then he comes back in and says, that dude ain't making no sense. Like, I don't even know what he's saying. Mm. And so I was like, man, that's weird. So the next morning when I woke up, because on this trip, the Lord was meeting me as soon as I woke up because he knew how busy we were going to be. So he would give me whatever I needed to know early as soon as I woke up. And it would be very clear, like, boom, like, okay, thank you, Holy Spirit. So when I woke up, it was, it was clear and it was distinct. It said, that man yesterday was sent on assignment to do you harm. Uh, and he's, uh, he's demon-possessed. Um, and, and so I thought, wow. So I shared that with Anderson, and, and he was like, wow. So my point is this. Demons know your name. They know your name. You're a believer in Jesus. They know your name. The only people they don't know is, is, is sons of Sceva. It's like Paul we know, Jesus we know. Who are you? Like they weren't in covenant with Jesus. When you're in covenant with Jesus, demons know your name. You have authority. Jesus said, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, go therefore. We actually walk in the same level of authority Jesus mm -hmm. walked in. It's how he trains his disciples. That we would have authority. So we don't have to cower to what the enemy throws our way. We don't have to bend the knee to it. He needs to bend the knee to Jesus. Sickness, disease, depression, bipolar disorder, cancer, marriage problems, kids problems. Lord, raising kids, man. Come on now. Right? Like, no. All of that has to bend the knee to Jesus. Because this demoniac, once I got out there and sized him up, it wasn't like he was get, trying to get at me. Because I carried Jesus. We don't know if we have authority if our mind hasn't been renewed with, with this. This tells you your identity. Everything your parent told you, your crazy uncle, the, the whatever, the pastor that didn't know the Bible, that, that prophesied over you some crazy nonsense. Look, none of that matters. It's erased once we know this for ourselves. Our identity. A renewed mind. Be not conformed. Don't be indoctrinated. Don't pick up how the world does things. It doesn't work. It doesn't. Be transformed. Be metamorphosized by the renewing, by the refurbishing, by the re-educating of your mind. It's the beginning. It's, it's the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord serves as the foundation for all thought. If you don't have that foundation, everything you're thinking is shaky. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it tells us there's a reason for that. If your mind hasn't been renewed, you won't even be able to tell what God's will is. God's will is very distinct, but it gets confused when your mind hasn't been renewed. When you don't understand His Word. His will is perfect. His will is pleasing. His will is, is everything for us. His voice and His presence are the same thing. When He speaks, He creates. That's how powerful His voice is. So we have to be in proximity to His voice. Listening to His voice reading his word, understanding what he says. The King James says, so that you can approve the will of God. So you can approve it. And it's not that we have to approve his will. It's, it's that word in the Greek actually means to inspect to see if it's genuine. 
Because there's times as a believer when you're going to have to discern what the will of God is. You might be looking for another prophetic word. You might be looking for another word of wisdom or knowledge. You might be looking for an anointed pastor who prays and can give you something direct. But guess what? If, if none of that's available, we're going to have to dig in and get and discern God's will for ourselves. And he will speak. He will speak. Jesus is always talking. He's the word. If he's silent in a season, oftentimes what I found is he wants you to go back and look at the prophetic words you've already received. Are you in agreement with what he's already given you? Sometimes that holds us up. That's why I keep mine in my Google Drive, and I listen to them. I use them as weapons. Sometimes it's, I find that we're in God's will. We are in God's will. This is God's will. I know in my spirit it's aligned with Jesus, but what's holding it up is I'm not doing things God's way. Mm -hmm. So it's God, we want your will, we want your will, but are we doing it God's way? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's a process of re mm -hmm. renewing your mind. Israel was acquainted with God's works, right? Yes. Moses was acquainted with God's ways. Mm -hmm. Works, ways. So we're always gravitating from knowing what God did because it's documented. And it's documented in our own lives. We have a testimony. But understanding his ways, that's a process. Understanding how he thinks, that's a process. And there's a moment in the life of every believer where we can get there because Jesus declared to his followers, his disciples in particular, he said, no longer do I call you servants. I now call you friends. There's a graduation that happens. A servant only looks for the next list to get done. I'm going to get this list and get this checked off. And this is my... This is, this is my daily thing for the Lord. Well, he'd like to get you past that. He'd like to get you operating as a friend. A friend knows what the master's thinking. A friend has intimacy with the master. A friend understands this is the way God thinks, so this is how I'm going to pray. Mm -hmm. But it is a process. Yeah. And it's fun. <laughs> it's not impossible. It's fun. <laughs> so verse... So that was verse 1 and 2. Verse 3, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Wow, how deep is that? We all belong to each other. Submit yourselves to one another. Man, submit yourselves to one another. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, Take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Why do we hate what is wrong? Because the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. Hate brings us closer to love than indifference. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. 
Why does he jump directly into behavior in this chapter? Why does he go from teaching about the renewed mind, which we only now are starting to really comprehend what that means because of psychological science and, and MRIs. We understand how the brain works now. Paul deposited something here that we're just now understanding because he went directly into behavior. Every behavior starts with a thought. Every behavior is a manifestation of how we think. If I have an inaccurate view of who God is, I will not treat people correctly. If I don't understand God's nature and his nature is love, then I naturally will not treat people with love. Behavior shouldn't define us, but it does. Our behavior is reality. And it's something that we do have to face. It's something that we do have to shoulder and understand. If I'm an angry person, I need my mind to be renewed. If I have issues with other people and they're always offending me or, or I'm always offending them, my mind needs to be renewed. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ. The goal and the target of the Lord is that our mind and the mind of Christ mirror one another. We think the same. We act the same. People can recognize Jesus in us. Why? Because they can read our mind. It's our behavior. The closer and the more accurately we understand who Jesus is, our behavior changes. Our behavior becomes a manifestation of what we think and what we believe. This is why our mind must be renewed. And it's a process. It's a process. You can ask Melody, man, 25-year-old Ronnie, zero patience with anybody. It takes time. It's a process. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. I love honoring people because honor, honor is an invitation into someone's identity. That's what prophecies really about the true spirit of prophecy new testament prophecy is to honor someone into the kingdom you can honor people into the kingdom honor people for what they carry and don't stumble over what they lack honor them for who they are honor them for the great things that they're great at we can honor people in to the kingdom jesus did it all the time he told zacchaeus publicly in front of everybody everybody hated this dude if there was twitter back then they would have canceled him he would have been eh. but jesus said i'm going to your house today and when he spent time with him this man started to confess his sin automatically and jesus didn't say anything about it he just started to pour it out he said, you know, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to give back twice what I took. That's cool. Jesus was like, I just want to spend some time with you. I just want to honor you. Everyone's worthy of honor for two reasons. One, they're made in God's image. And two, the gifts that they carry were given to them by the Lord. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Why? Because that's God's nature. God is welcoming. God's not going to turn you away because you made a mistake. That's how the world responds. 
The world will cancel you. The world will turn you away, not God. He's a loving father. Bless those who persecute you. Why? They carry trauma. Trust me. The person coming after you, they are traumatized by something. Pray for them. Pray for them. Because when they move on from you, they'll move on to somebody else. It's a destructive lifestyle that they're a part of. Pray for them. It's not you that they hate. They hate the Jesus in you. Pray for them. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Verse 14. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. What's he saying? It's compassion. It's empathy. It's empathy. Live in harmony with each other. That doesn't mean you're all the same. If you make the right chord on a guitar, it sounds beautiful. And guess what? Every string is tuned to a different chord. We're made that way. In the kingdom, we're made to make a beautiful melody. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. I got to get better at that. I don't like small talk. And don't think you know it all. Okay? Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, and he's going to quote uh, Deuteronomy 32 and 35 right here. I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, in this next one, he's going to quote Proverbs 25. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. What's the target of the renewed mind? The target of the renewed mind is that we've come more and more into agreement with Jesus, how he acted, how he talked, everything he demonstrated. His ministry was about doing life with people. That was his ministry. So, I'm going to leave you with one more verse of Scripture. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Who wants to read that for us? Proverbs 3, verse 5. Hmm. Say what? I said I can do it for you if you'd like. Yeah, yeah. Proverbs 3, verse 5. <laughs> I'll say it with my chest next time. Okay. Yeah. Trust in the Lord with all your heart <laughs> and do not lean on your own understanding. Yes. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. When we come to the Lord as a baby believer, we are still leaning on our own understanding. We're still leaning on our own understanding of how the world works. We're still leaning on what we understand about life in accordance with our own trauma. We're still seeing people through the same lens of our trauma and our disappointment and our loss. The renewed mind is important and it happens through prayer. It happens through studying God's word. And it happens in fellowship. I know it's uncomfortable sometimes to be at church when you carry deep trauma. I get that. Not everybody gets that, but I, I get it. I know it's uncomfortable to be around other people who just don't understand you. They don't understand you at on, on a deep level. But trust me, it's a part of the process. It's a part of the process. I cherish, I don't miss them, but I cherish my, my army days early on when we're in basic training. Why? They throw everybody in the same room from all these different places. None of us know each other, but guess what? It, it's, it's in that conflict. 
It's in that learning how to trust one another. It's in that learning each other's personalities, each other's quirks. It's in that environment that we get better. It's in that environment that we, we learn more about ourselves. Because why? Iron sharpens iron. Sometimes sparks fly when iron sharpens iron. But nevertheless, both elements can sharpen one another. They're both, they're both hard enough to sharpen one another. We need one another. The Bible declares that we have the mind of Christ. We, collectively. We, we all have something to offer one another. The renewed mind brings you more and more into fellowship with other believers. Because when you understand the value that each person carries in a church, man, all you want to do is see them again. All you want to do is check on them. All you want to do is give them a hug. It's, it's, it becomes, we become one. It's deeper than even family relationships. It's, it's we're going to spend eternity together. We got stuff to do for ages and ages to come. I'm going to hang out at Crystal's mansion. <laughs> right? Yep. It's, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be colorful, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> so, I'll end on this. I'll end on this because this renewed mind, we're going to talk next week. Next week is going to be focused on 2 Corinthians chapter 10. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We're going to focus on that next week. And then the following week, we're going to talk about Ephesians 6, the armor of God. That's, that's ultimately where we're going to get to. And then May 17th, Aaron will be uh, teaching. Lord,